address me as Sydney <laughs> or Sid. I mean, go for it. <laughs> This is Queen speaking. What's the difference between a boss and a queen? When you're a queen, you're owning every aspect of your life. From work, to money, to relationships, there are no boundaries. You can't pause who you are. The challenge is how to own it. What makes you, you? We're in this together. Let's break out of our comfort zone and learn the tools to rise to our own potential. Hit your goals, then set the bar higher. Ready to join us? Welcome to Queen Speaking. I'm Brianna. And I'm Sid. Hey, Sid. Hey, Brian. So let's go through some of the things we've been working on. I have a fun update about our capsule wardrobe episode. Tell me everything. So my spring cleaning progress is going well. Um, I'm hoping that it will bring actual spring to us. It's time. I think we're all ready for it. Ready. So I did another um, clean out of my closet and pulled a few items that are going to get their last few wears before I put them in the donation pile. Okay. Um, I also got some feedback from a couple people like, you're getting rid of that? No. So there might be a couple things that I keep. Okay. I feel like like that's why you solicit outside advice. Yeah. One more seasonal wear I think is appropriate or like that looks really good on you. So like maybe if I buy something new to replace that, what will that, like could it have the same silhouette kind of thing? Yep. Um, But I'm starting to pull together what my essentials will be. I feel like the pants are, I've got a strong pant situation set. Your pants game is actually very much on point, especially in the winter months when you rock cord very Mm -hmm. appropriately. You have a lot more pants than people, I think, have usually. Yes, I do. (laughs) Um, There are many. I I basically have one of every option. Wow. Um, But what's in rotation right now, I've got three pairs of skinny jeans, um... All of varying, like some of them are a little bit more structured. They're all dark jeans because I feel like they look better on me. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are a little stretchy so that I can get like a mix and match and then just different levels of shade. Got it. Um, which is important depending on what kind of tops you're wearing, I a think. A thousand percent, yep. I have one pair of black jeans, which I'm really excited about. They're new. Ooh, I haven't so, seen these yet. They're very cozy. They're actually an old Navy rock star. <gasps> I've heard really positive reviews of Old Navy lately, and I haven't been in, oh my gosh, so long. But I think, my I know my brother gets his pants from Old Navy, and I think a couple friends of ours also get their jeans from Old Navy, and they rave about them. Yeah, I so I've got a booty and some hips to worry about, so sometimes it's hard for me to buy jeans that fit me appropriately. And the Rockstar black jeans that I have are like glorified leggings so they have like structure to them but they're so stretchy that they're quite possibly the most comfortable pants i've ever owned wow yeah they beat a legging for comfortable pants yeah wow because when i'm wearing a legging i know i want to cover up the fact that i'm wearing a legging so it's always with like a tunic or like a long top or like a baggy sweater that's fair but with a jean, you have the pocket structure, the button, mm-hmm. the pant pocket. So it's like... So they're pants. Everything's appropriate. <laughs> like, you're not overexposing. Any any particular thing. I get that. That makes sense. But they're so comfortable. So I recommend those if anyone's looking. Because I wanted something that was affordable. Yeah. And something that I was like... Because I wasn't sure if they were going to be a total win. So um, that, a pair of dr- black dress pants, mm-hmm. which are surprisingly being rotated more often than I thought. Okay. Yeah. Uh, The Sloan pant from Banana Republic. I was going to say, that sounds super familiar. I do think that they are, like, they're appropriate to wear even with, like, a casual top or you're going to a casual thing. Like, having a nice dress pant doesn't make it too dressy. It just, Mm -hmm. it's a different style of pant. Yeah. Which I I think is okay. I wore them to an event with um, a, like, nice... uh, casual sweater Mm -hmm. and I feel like I just looked more put together than if I was wearing jeans yeah because it wasn't like it was like a business casual style experience where it was like I could have gotten away with jeans but I wanted to like kick it up one notch I was just having a conversation with someone about the conundrum that is business casual because 
business implies a, a little bit of more effort put in. But then casual, I'm like, you don't want to see my casual. Like my casual is like really casual. So I always feel like I need to take it one step further when someone's like, it's business casual. It's easy. I'm like, that's not easy, friend. <laughs> it's a little bit more than you think it is. I feel like they need to reestablish the like levels of where appropriate wear for different occasions totally because things have changed it goes from business casual to fancy yeah and i'm like there's an in-between there is there's like a a business fancy yeah (laughs) business fancy then cocktail and black tie cocktail is one that you really can't forget i mean it's a very important piece of that whole sliding scale yeah so as i'm in this oh yeah and not to forget I'm excited to break out my high-waisted jeans. I never wear those in the winter. No, because you need to wear it with, like, a wedge. And, like, a wedge in the winter just doesn't make any sense to me. No. So I'm excited because I have a couple, like, cute... I'm not of the, like, full-on crop top variety, (laughs) but I have, like, a... Short shirt. A shorter. <laughs> like, I need something that hits my waist. Right. I'm dying But right there's, <laughs> there's no skin gap that anyone can see. You don't want to do, like, a hard, like, lean and have. No. Some, I get that. No, I'm not 20 anymore. Okay. <laughs> because I can't. Like, I'm not comfortable showing my, my stomach. Your midriff. In that way. No. <laughs> um, but I love what a high-waisted jean does to the booty and, and shows off. Because I have... A waist. I have a waist that mm-hmm. I like to highlight. It's the only thing that <laughs> kind of like cuts off any distinction. Like the top half of my body is all wafy and the bottom <laughs> half of my body is. <laughs> I'm a very strong pear shape, guys. <laughs> is what she's trying to say. So anyway, this gets at my concern now as we're moving into the springtime is as I'm looking at the rest of my closet, I'm trying to go through now and I'll probably have some videos to share on our our social channels of like me trying to figure out the layering and the different mixing and matching of some of the stuff that I have because the, the bottoms are set. I've got all my pants situated. It's now more so thinking about how um, different outfits and tops work together yeah. as we kind of move into this new season because it's been really easy. My winter wardrobe was like solid. I was very confident with the things that I was wearing. And so I'm now thinking about moving away from sweaters, which were like my comfort go-to. and like go-to favorite thing to more like casual combos. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest part with the capsule is figuring out like what goes together to create those 30 outfits that every like that magic 30 number that everybody talks about, but like really figuring out which thing goes with which other thing and how you mix and match enough to make 30 distinct outfits. Yeah. Um, That is definitely the challenge. So. And as I was going through my closet the other day, I was thinking back to Cher and Clueless and, like, Mm -hmm. that beginning montage where she was going through that computer program of her whole closet and, like, picking out her her perfect outfit for the day and Mm -hmm. how it was, like, meh, meh, when it was, like, not a good match. And then, like, (laughs) ding, ding, when it found the perfect outfit. And I was, like, why doesn't this exist yet? We need that. I mean, I know I need that. Can someone create this? Does this exist? And if it doesn't exist, someone please create this beautiful program because I would download it on all of my devices because i don't want to get to work and someone be like that's an interesting combo or like my mother always likes to say like that looks interesting like i don't want somebody to tell me that looks interesting it means i've missed i've misstepped in some way (laughs) and i want my computer to tell me that before i go out in public yeah it's like this is adventurous but appropriate yeah because then adventurous like i can jive with adventurous interesting is just like never a word you want to hear well because it's uh twinged with judgment yes yeah and there's always a face that goes with it like, yeah, hmm, it's like there's a head tilt. yeah like a squinty eye and, and a like f- a medium frown yeah yeah and i'm like can you smile at least when you're judging me like is that too much to ask yeah so yeah i feel you i think that that would be a great thing uh to bring to the masses so tech folks Get to work. Get on it. We're ready to invest. (laughs) We'll buy it. (laughs) For sure. What about you, Sid? Yeah, so mine is kind of the same, but kind of different all at the same time. I am in the process of figuring out, like, I'm moving soon. So always when there's a move happening, I need to do, like, a hard clean out. And I know there's stuff that needs to go. And, like, beyond the donation pile, like, there are things that just need to go. Like, no one 
would benefit from having some of the stuff that's been living in my apartment slash my drawers for like two years. So that's kind of a daunting task. It is because it's like it requires a weekend. And what I tend to do is when things require like a significant amount of time, I have this tendency to put it off for a while. And so I like build up how much time and effort it will take. So there's never like a good time to do it because I'm like, I don't have time for that right now. When in reality, like you get to a breaking point where you're like, I can't look at this stuff anymore. And then all of a sudden an hour just appears in front of you and you've spent an hour doing the thing that you've been putting off for weeks. So I need to like stop making it bigger than it is and just do the big clean out for like, not just clothes, but like furniture, like stuff that's been like living under my sink for a while, like the disregarded, like cleaning product that that I thought actually living no (laughs) hopefully not but I guess we'll find out but just all that stuff that like you know you accumulate a lot of like cleaning products you accumulate like a lot of stuff that you just like thought you were going to use at some point and then just never gets used because you have 16 of the same thing the thing that always gets me is the the kitchen uh, items, the pantry items, or mm, the yes. the fridge items that it's like this you've had since this expired in 2011. That's gonna be like. Oh! Yeah, I think our pantry is really going to be the toughest thing. I actually was like, I want to go on Amazon and get those like metal or like glass canisters and like organize it before we leave so I can get rid of. I know, I get, I for a fact know we have like three or four, not just different flowers, but bags of the same flower. Mm. Because always, like, you know, I tend to overdo it when I'm making something. I'm like, I don't have that when I've had it. For like a year, and I just haven't used it, so I forget that it's still there. So I buy a whole new thing. Seven canisters of baking powder. Exactly. So I'm like, what can I like? realistically all I need is one canister of everything so I want to fill the canisters and then get rid of or give to my mother or whoever needs like some extra flour or people who actually use it more often than I ever use it um you who can take it off my hands so like that is my update for this this week is that I am in the process of like looking at my calendar for when this move is going to happen and how I need to break down the clean out process over that next like couple months I think it's helpful to to do it in chunk because I know you were saying like the whole idea of it is a, a lot yeah. in the like big picture. But if you break it down into on this day, I'm going to do just the kitchen drawers. Yes. Because then if you think like I'm going to do this will break down into like eight hours worth of work but I'm going to do an hour today. Right. And then you feel super accomplished at the end because you're like, now I have all this stuff packed up and my canisters are all set and situated, which like organization is just, woo, that gets me excited. (laughs) I want some canisters. (laughs) I have some suggestions that Amazon said would work great for what I'm looking for. The one thing, the one tip I have when it comes to buying canisters and containers for things is make sure that they fit in your cabinets because I bought sizes that don't fit. I did not think about that. And that will be a good thing. I'm I'm hoping to be able to bring a measuring tape over to the new place to just be able to like preliminarily figure out where everything's going to go. And that will be something to definitely take into consideration, like height and width of everything to just make sure it all fits. Yeah. And that will probably help me in not just picking out the canisters themselves, but figure out like really how much we can put in each like cabinet slash pantry yeah, in the like, place. Organize it properly. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. So yeah, that's my update and uh I probably won't keep you posted because I might never actually do it. So <laughs> just kidding. Of course I'm gonna do it. <laughs> just just arm sweep the whole everything (laughs) into a box and call it a day and you know like i'll pack up that box and i'll unpack it and put it all in the new place and be like someday i'm gonna do this so that's the other thing the tip that i have for anyone moving in yourself included sid is that it's a perfect time to do like a major clean out and like focus on the things that you're doing or you're like that are important to you the stuff that you want to keep put those in the boxes donate everything or throw away the stuff that's expired. Right. But when you move back into the new place, when you open up those boxes, same thing. Like everything that, everything that you pick up, you're like, 
again, Marie Bring Kondo, do you spark joy in my life? <laughs> but it really is like, I remember thinking like, oh, I totally want that. And then I was like, nope, you're going in the, the garbage pile or the donation pile. Like, I don't need to keep the seventh grade memories of, you know, birthday cards from people who don't know me anymore. That's a good point. That and I think, you know, like double dutying it is a good way to do it because I feel like I do the work on the front end and then be like, my work here is done and then kind of shut down and then when I have to unpack it, I just I wouldn't do that second look to make sure that like what I'm bringing into this new space is really stuff that I need and stuff that still either sparks joy or is useful in some way. And I need to like really take that second opportunity to go through everything again, I think. So that's a good tip. Yeah. And it's great too, because I think when you're packing, you're also kind of in this like rush mentality of like, totally. uh, just, I can't think about this right now. I'm just going to put it in a box. And mm-hmm. sometimes you forget like the need for like true assessment of is this something that I want to keep around? I don't know. Absolutely. Um, so that second round of assessing its pertinence to your lifestyle. I think I'll necessary. need that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good tip. I'll take that on for for sure. Amaze. Amaze. So uh, what's inspiring you this week, Brown? Well, um, as I have been, I'm so excited that this is like a continual thing because the fact that I'm reading regularly is a, is a goal. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously it's sparking a lot of like new and exciting things. Yeah, like exactly what they want reading to do for people, <laughs> inspire you. Turns out it works. <laughs> and uh, it's working and I'm doing it and it's effective. I like it. So um, one of the, I love reading Fast Company and I also get ink and they end up kind of piling up and being plane reads because then I feel like I'm using my brain in an appropriate way on a a plane ride or a vacation or some capacity in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually went back. um, I'd gone on vacation and read the February 2018 issue of Fast Company, um, but I saved it because there were so many good quotes in there that the whole issue was focused around – leading with optimism and I just mm. thought that that was such a good theme that I was like I don't want to like not give this a second look and so I went back and was going through and kind of like vision board style cutting out ah. um, quotes that were inspiring to me I love that and so I wanted to share one of the ones that um, really stood out to me from Jermaine Spradley if I'm pronouncing that correctly of sure. uh, the Bleacher Report he said sometimes It's good to lose a little focus. I believe in giving people the opportunity to let their brains wander and expand. Sometimes you can't see your goal until you look away from it. And I feel like that's a magical lesson Mm -hmm. in going quiet, slowing down, and daydreaming to let that creative energy reboot in yourself. Because without the... I'm always guilty of like pushing and going and like just rushing through stuff totally and to slow down and kind of like let's take a break and not be like on social media or like always listening to a podcast it's taking a minute to just like be quiet and let my brain kind of see where things go and like what comes to mind because I've always felt that the minute that I stop the like next genius idea comes to me. Absolutely. And I think it goes back to something that we've talked about before of like going back to that childlike mentality sometimes and just like letting yourself go and explore and be. And it helps, it does help kind of fuel that creative energy because you're not so focused on like your end game or your bottom line or all the things that like do matter when you're creating your dream and you're creating your company or whatever it is or working towards your goal. But until you can like really slow it down and and not, not only focus on that end goal, I mean, it really helps to kind of just move through it in a different way mm-hmm. and and let go a little bit. So I really, I really like that. Um, I love that like wander and expand because it's that those again are like action actionable things that like even though you're trying to like take 
take some of the structure away from it. Like knowing that that's what you want from the process is really helpful to actually let it happen. Mm -hmm. So you kind of know what you're looking to do in the process of letting go. And I find that really helpful personally because I find it very hard to let go sometimes. So knowing that like I'm doing this to expand and I'm doing this to like find that creative energy again, like really helps me justify that letting go process. Yeah. It gets you out of any kind of rut that you might be in from a creative perspective, because usually the reason why you hit the wall is because you're just slamming your body up against it repeatedly and not like, well, let me take a break. Yeah, seriously. Like look around me and see what's happening. Um, Because like you think that just trudging ahead seems like the best option to for progress, but sometimes stopping is the exact thing that you need. Absolutely. I love that. That's great. That I'm like great. re-inspired by that. <laughs> Which is always the goal. <laughs> I wrote this down a few days ago and now I'm I'm like, yes. Now you cut it out and you said you like kind of vision boarded it. Did you actually vision board it or did you like paste it on your mirror or? No. So I have this um, notebook that has like a bunch of things and I like recipes that I write. Oh, like nice. stuff for queen speaking planning and like some career progress journaling that I do and so I cut those out and put them I, t- I taped them onto a page I love that so That's, I felt like it was something I could flip back to that is the like less intense vision board that still has just as big an impact it seems like yeah that's great I love that that's a good one what is on your plate what's inspiring you so um I think I've talked about Seth Godin before both like in our um what is it our continuing ad episodes but also in like our emails and like what I kind of reference on a day-to-day basis so one of his recent it's in a blog post form but it comes in as a daily email and one of the things that he was talking about it's this it, the email was called effort in the face of near certain rejection and I was like ooh, this sounds fun and then he talks about how there are like kind of two ways you can go on things and the first one was like um kind of go for volume and like he called it spray and pray and putting (laughs) as little uh, effort into each interaction as possible just like getting the word out as quickly as possible to as many people as possible and like just going for it in in a volume type of mentality or number two you can invest far more in each interaction than any rational human would advise do your homework invest more time in creating your offer than you expect the recipient will spend in replying to it. Don't personalize, be personal, create an imbalance of effort and care, show up, don't spam in any form. And like that second one is so like, so, I mean, I love the title in in and of itself, like effort in the face of near certain rejection. Like how much effort are you putting in, even though it seems like the impossible, even though it seems really far away. And what I found really inspiring in this is like that number two option is like you believe in it so much that you, whether the person receiving it is going to notice it at all, you believe in it so much that you are so ready to put in everything you feel that it takes to make it happen. You're person, you're not just personalizing it, but you're talking to another human and you're making it a personal interaction. And I just thought that that was, um, really good advice both like for what I do for my work full time but also like in our everyday interactions like how are you connecting with people and I actually think this kind of goes right into what we're talking about today but I think that that was just something I really needed at that moment to kind of give me the boost to not just send the same email and and throw a a different name on it but really like think about who it's going to what resonates with them versus the next person that i'm sending an email to and really taking the time that that person deserves to make sure that it's going right to them yeah i think that that element of time and effort and care yeah that you're putting into each interaction where you're being present and you're acknowledging the reason why you're having this conversation or, you know, doing this thing for someone that makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm engaged. It's like, this is between the two of us and this is focused. I feel like those, especially with the work that we do, those two things are like really 
resonating with me today. And it's really, I mean, it's really hard some days to not go for volume. It's really hard some days when you are working either under a deadline or, you know, you need to get the word out or, you know, like it would be so easy to send the same message to a thousand people, but really like taking a moment to understand what each person that you're trying to reach will value the most from that conversation or from that email or from that phone call. I think for me personally, if someone did that for me, I remember those interactions way more than I do the email that says, hello, Miss Bell. I'm like, no one calls me Miss Bell. And like, if you're sending me an email, you obviously should, you should know that. And if you don't, then like, there's something wrong with your back end system because you can kind of alter those things. You can at least, I know that mass emails happen every day, but you can at least throw my first name in there. I don't want to be a Miss Bell. So I think it's like, it's taking, even if it's a mass email that you're having to put out because it's the same message to a bunch of people, looking at the salutation and looking at what people want to be called and having the like ability to ask that question, like, how should I address you going forward? Because that matters to me. I want you to know that this is coming to you and we care about your opinion. Like, that shows me that you do care, even if it is the same letter going to a thousand people. Like, address me as Sydney like, or yeah. Sid. I mean, go for it. Yeah, dive in. I feel like the one, the like letters, you know, I'm thinking about this based on one I got recently where it was like, it was a donation and someone actually like crossed out my name or crossed out Miss Banford and hand wrote in Brianna mm-hmm. and then like, put a little personalized note at the bottom too to be like thank you so much and like you know some additional commentary and those little touches where it's like you know that you're going to get this right no matter what but the fact that someone that you've made a connection with is going through and putting in just a smidge more effort is like well that made me smile today totally totally and i just like so that i think the day i got it was i kind of really needed that reminder that like even if it goes unnoticed, you're noticing it. And and sometimes that's all that matters. It doesn't it doesn't really matter if the person who's getting it might like pass right by it and not understand like the difference at all and that's fine, but you know the work that you're putting out there and the effort that you're putting into your interactions matters to you and then someday it will matter to the person that it needs to matter to. Yeah. And so that was kind of like what kind of brought me back to reality. I think, yeah, in the last couple of days, whenever the heck that came through. Back to reality. <laughs> Back to reality, yeah. Give it. <laughs> um, so I feel like that's a perfect opportunity for us to dive into our topic for the day. So give it to me straight, Sid. So today we are talking about active listening and how to be a better listener, and I think this topic is important because it's one of those like under the radar superpowers that some people have that not everybody does really well, but you always remember the person that does it really well because there are aspects of it that stick with the person that was affected by it. So this is, and this is a tricky one too, because it's not something that feels very hard until you focus on it and you realize like, oh, I've been doing it this way for so long when I could implement a few different things to make it even more personal or really help me work on that listening superpower that everybody is capable of having. Yeah, I think that this is something that from a professional standpoint, it will benefit you twofold. Yes. By especially if you're in any capacity going to be leading a team down the road or have some kind of management um, position where you need to get feedback from your team or just have the opportunity where you're having one-on-ones and having that conversation with your teammates just to say, hey, let's you know make sure we're on the same page. In order to get to that point, you need to be a good listener and to like reaffirm what they're saying to you and also ask the right questions to follow up. And like from my perspective, like full disclosure, I've definitely had some issues with this. Um, And it's always been very hard for me because I don't feel like I was ever taught the right tools to do this. Um, Whether it was just like something that didn't necessarily come naturally to me or that it wasn't presented to me in 
that way, like growing up from like a educational perspective. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel, what was I doing in elementary school? (laughs) You're running around having a great time. (laughs) Should have been learning how to listen. What books weren't I reading? (laughs) Um, But I think it's something that... um, is especially relevant today. And I feel like I see so many articles popping up from time to time. Maybe it's just because of, like, the nature of work that we do. Where it's like, okay, we need to be better listeners. Like, how do we do this? Yeah. Where do we start? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's so true. And I think what I'm excited to see more of is that active listening is part of a lot of leadership trainings today. And it's not just being able to stand up in front of a room and, like, inspire the room. It's also being able to go one-on-one with someone who's struggling and be able to hear and fully listen to what they're saying and either what their successes are or what they're struggling with. And it's just as important as being able to talk amongst people and really inspire them to do what they want to do, but also learn from them what they want to do and be able to listen and ask the right questions and engage in the right kind of conversation that's going to help you connect with them more and gain their trust and all those really important things that kind of have to do with leadership. So it's exciting to see more and more trainings really um, include this in in a significant part of what they're offering to people around them. Yeah. And if you're if you're in the mindset of trying to be, you know, build more relationships or just be a better connector or, you know, understand people in a different way, whether this this could even kind of go back thinking about our adult friendships relationship. This totally. comes into play so strongly because, you know, a lot of times it's the back and forth of like, I when you're comfortable with someone, it's very easy for you to have like a natural conversation where you're like, oh yeah, this story. And like, you're, you're just going back and forth and you're tangenting. And like, that's how people assume a conversation should go. But when you're in a strategic scenario where you need to be um, learning something from someone or meet, meeting a right connection, you're at a networking event, like how do you appropriately handle those situations and approach it with um, the right mindset and the right perspective so that I feel like it's one of those things when it happens to you when you're in that moment and someone is doing, you know, the active listening approach to you. Mm-hmm. It should just be like, we should be spending, I think someone said 80% of our time listening versus talking. talking. And it's the flip side. Most people are spending 80% of the time talking and 20% of the time listening because you're going to learn a whole heck of a lot more if you're listening to what people are saying and just being curious. Absolutely. So we're hitting it up. We're getting into it. Yeah, I'm super excited because like the way I think about this at its most basic level is like how to not zone out when you're talking to someone and how to like really fully be present and like stay with the person who is speaking or who you're having a conversation with. And we're going to talk about some of the tools to help do that. And I, I just, I think that this is such an important topic. Yeah, I agree. So are we ready to speak it Queens? We're ready. Let's do it. (laughs) So, um, first and foremost, quiet your mind. I 100% am, like, guilty of this, where I feel like I'm my mind is always buzzing, and it goes back to what you were just saying about being present. And so don't be thinking about your response. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot um, stress it enough. <laughs> I feel like when you're in the mode of just trying to be a better listener, you have to be aware of you being in a one-on-one and even if you're in a group setting where you're having a conversation you're you're focused on what's happening in that moment and it's so easy to be like well I should be talking to like Tommy over there in the corner because he's the person I need to get to Mm -hmm. so you're just distracted the whole time and then everybody everybody's whispering in the background like Brianna over there is kind of a a bee because (laughs) she seemed distracted the whole time I was talking um so avoid that I read something from Fast Company that said they recommend shifting from a doing mindset to a thinking mindset. And that really is what helps you understand and truly hear what the person is telling you and giving you the chance to repeat it back. Mm -hmm. And that was actually something that I always had the hardest time with. I was like, how do you feel comfortable repeating back what someone's saying to you Mm -hmm. when in reality... 
it's an opportunity for you to affirm that totally. you understand what they're saying to you. Mm-hmm. And I think a couple of the other things that they, they hit at in that article was being curious over being defensive. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to like throw judgment into a conversation and like think about it from, again, the the doing mindset, which is like, how would I be doing this? How would I be approaching this? And if you're in a conversation with someone, follow-up question. Tell me more about dot, 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 whatever right. that happens to be. Um, and just asking more questions or leading the person to providing more information. So like when you think about what it's like to be curious in a conversation, how does one ask better questions yeah. to get to that point Definitely. of like leading that conversation to the next level? Mm-hmm. Actually, as a side note, one of the things a friend of mine from, from not way back in college, but from college, he was really good at flirting with women because he was really good at asking questions and he was really good at listening to what they were saying the the women he was interested in and repeating back what he just heard and i watched him do this because i was very interested because you know i wasn't that good at flirting <laughs> so i was watching him and i was always so amazed by this talent that he had that i feel like obviously could be applied in, in a number of different settings than just going to a bar and like flirting with people but i just was so amazed that he knew that just by like taking the time and effort it takes to fully listen to someone and then repeat back what they're telling you to just confirm and affirm with them that like, I hear you, like I'm with you during this conversation. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm, I'm listening. I'm fully here with you was just that thing that makes you feel like in any type of situation, whether it be a dating, a work, a relationship, a friendship, like being heard and being understood is such a powerful thing and watching him do that I was like wow that is really impressive and at the time you know I'm like 19 or 20 I'm like how do I do that like that's really cool and then you realize oh wow that's like a really good professional skill to use in a totally different way as you're getting up into kind of the work environment and the professional environment so that was just a real like to go back to what you said about like being able to go back and affirm what someone has said is a really powerful way to like gain that trust and Mm -hmm. know that like I am like fully here with you on that. So I just, I thought that that was always really a really good skill to have back then. And now here we go with it coming all the way back around and being part of leadership training. (laughs) Right back full circle. And I think the hardest thing about those types of things is like, how do I make this a comfortable transition? How Mm -hmm. do I how do I feel like I'm, if you you have been in the doing mindset where you're like, let me just respond with my perspective, where instead thinking about, let me ask more questions. And so when you're repeating back, I think one of the greatest um, phrases that I came across was, what you're saying is, mm-hmm. or you're, you're thinking that. And so it's like a curious statement mm-hmm. of like, this is what I'm hearing from you. And the only way that you're going to be able to ask those right questions or know what to ask is if you're listening to what the person is saying. Mm-hmm. And I think in that that scenario of like listening to those concerns and you're repeating it back to them, it's showing them that you're hearing. And if there's a point where, you know, you didn't necessarily like what I hear you saying is this, mm-hmm. if you're getting, if they're like, no, actually, then, you know, opportunity to listen again to grasp or have them rephrase it in a different way so that you can address those concerns in the appropriate manner. Absolutely. And I think like really at its core is a comfort thing too, because I know that you've talked about this before where like when you're in a networking setting or you're in a one-on-one situation and you are you are so focused on saying your name right that you've totally missed what that person just introduced themselves as. Like even as simple as like, Hey, John, I'm Sydney. Like, even, like, repeating something like that, like, you internalize it Mm -hmm. on a different level. I say their name in my head three times, and then I remember (laughs) it forever. Forever. And and it is. It's like, you're so worried about, like, what you're going to say. Like, are you going to sound silly? Or are you going to say the right thing? Or are you going to respond with the right tone? Or whatever it is, like... 
and it goes back to what we just said about like zoning out. Like if you've, if you're so zoned into what you're about to say or what you're thinking about, what your response is going to be, and you're so ready to serve it up, like you've missed all of that. Like, and I don't care who you are. There's no way that you just took in everything that person said when you were so focused on what your response was going to be. There's just no way. Yeah, because in all of those, whether it's nerves or, you know, just being overly confident or that you know more than the other person, like all those things are domineering and inappropriate. Well, maybe not the nerves part. (laughs) That's a valid thing, I guess. But but what's happening is that you're getting in your head. Yeah. And... In order to just, that's where it's, you know, the whole aspect of being present Mm -hmm. is really, like, of all the things that have changed the game for me, it's just paying attention and being present in the conversation and understanding what's happening. Because uh, otherwise... You're lost. Totally. And you're sitting there and you're like, what did they just say about the train? <laughs> I missed it. And I feel I feel silly asking again. And also, if you do miss something, it is full well appropriate for you to be like, can you repeat that? I'm sorry. I didn't hear what you said. Yeah. Like, when has that ever been uncomfortable? You feel uncomfortable because you weren't listening. Right. And you think that they know. But it's worse to fake it. Yeah, don't it's, fake it's because so they're like, my dad just died. And you're like, cool. <laughs> and you're like, that was the wrong response. I can tell by your reaction. <laughs> I apologize. But yeah, it's like, it's it's figuring out how to, and I, and I know that this is, especially in a networking setting where like tensions are already pretty high and you're already probably fairly uncomfortable being there. And the people that you see working the room in a way that is like magical, you're like, what's their special sauce? Like, what do they have going on that like, I'm not bringing to the table. And it probably is a listening thing and a level of comfort that you might just not have at this point. But going back to that, like that present thing, you don't have to worry about anything else except for being there in that conversation. And if you have an intention, like you've talked about before, Brianna, about when you go to a networking event, your goal is to have a meaningful conversation with one person and you will count that a success. Mm-hmm. You go into it with an intention. So if the listening piece of this for you is going into a networking situation. We've talked about this before, going in with that intention for what you're hoping to get out of it and a meaningful connection. Or if you know there's someone there that you want to be connecting with, like do a couple practice rounds and like talk to people that you know, and then fully focus in on those conversations and then work your way over to that person that you are there to really either pitch them something or talk to them about something or hear about what they have going on so you can follow up with a meaningful conversation. Um, it's it's really about what you have kind of planned too. I think exactly to that point, in that scenario, sometimes it's more comfortable to go in with a little bit of research too. If you know that you are going to this networking opportunity to meet someone at some company What's the company been awarded for recently? Like, do some backlog research of, you know, some of their recent press releases or company news. Check up on their social media or the individual's social media channels. And that gives you an opportunity to walk in there with, like, an intention for the conversation so that you can ask questions. And then people love talking about themselves. So if you walk in there with, this is my one person that I'm going to meet because I'm trying to make a business connection for, you know, my future job, my current company, what have you. If you walk up to them and you say, hey, excuse me, I did want to interrupt, but I just wanted to say congratulations on XYZ. That's that conversation starter again, where you're directly approaching the conversation with, hey, here's a thing that I know about you. Here's a follow-up question that I planned with. And here's how the conversation can go from there. Right. And then you have, like you said, you have that great opportunity to just listen and internalize it and ask like follow-up questions based on what their answers are, um, which is all just like really helpful, valuable information. People are always impressed by other people who can ask great questions. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, one of the other things that has a lot to do with active listening that I don't think I fully um, kind of appreciated until I was part of a leadership training that talked about active listening was the um, 
the the way body language plays a significant role when you're kind of in that moment. So in addition to just obviously being present and, and being there and asking those great questions, making eye contact and like those occasional nods that might feel silly, but like that really shows that you're right there with them. Like making the eye contact and and just just making sure that um, not only are you internalizing what they're saying, but they feel like you're listening. And I am calling a strong BS on people that say they're listening when they're on their phone. I don't believe it. We know that you can't do both. There's just no way. There's no way you can fully participate in a conversation if you're on your phone. I don't care who you are. Like, no superhero can even do that. I, it's just... And even if you're just scrolling through your Instagram stories, you're still... You're not engaged. Yeah, and like I like no matter where you are, if the intention is to fully like um, be with that person and listen to what they're saying and learn from them, being on your phone isn't isn't just like you're not there with them, but it's also rude. We all know this, but I think that people think that they can do both. Or if it's like an informal conversation, I still think that that person deserves your time. Or my mom does this really well. She'll be like, give me a second. I just need to respond to this person. I'll be right back with you. But like pulling out your phone in the middle of a conversation and responding to someone, even if it's going to take like less than a minute, I think just like halting the conversation being like, I'm so sorry, this is something I just have to respond to really quickly. And I'll like, be right back with you is something that shows respect for that person's time and what they're saying and helps you kind of like, not have to do two things at once, because it just doesn't happen like that. So that's one thing that I never really think about is the body language aspect of when you're part of a conversation and how that plays such a big role in what you're saying. Um, and the person that you're talking with or who's talking to you, like if you're, if they, they know when they've lost you, like if you're looking around or you like see like someone behind them and you're like, hey, like, oh, sorry, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still here. Like they know when you're looking it's past like you want to go talk to Jim. Yeah. Get over here. Like, go for it because I don't need you anymore. Like being able to like obviously acknowledge the people around you and just say like, I'm so sorry. Like if it's a busy room, obviously you're going to have those moments where other people are coming in and interrupting your conversation. But acknowledging those moments I think is really important. But like walking away in the middle of a conversation obviously doesn't do you any favors. Catching other people's attention like in the middle of those conversations. It's just, again, it goes back to, I think more than anything with active listening is not just like, what it can do for you as a leader, but the respect that you're showing to other people is just equally as important. And those those feet those body language moments and those features of body language, like you're just you lose people so quickly, even with just a look away. Or how many times have I been sitting somewhere and someone looks behind me and I instantly am like, oh, what? <laughs> like, I stop you're talking. Like- I look behind me. I'm like, what did I miss? And all of a sudden whatever connection was happening at that moment is gone. And yeah. it's just a silly way to break break that trust in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that's important when it comes to body language is like the crossing of the arms. Oof. I can fully vouch and say that that's a comfortable space for me. Like I actually really like to hold my arms across my body because it like helps my back not hurt when I'm standing for hours at an event, but it really does cut you off from a person. Like that act of crossing your arms in in front of another individual is like, I'm closed off to you. Mm -hmm. I'm not open to this conversation. So just thinking about like, it just makes me think of that, that meme of like, I don't know what to do with my hands. (laughs) Hold them in front of your face. (laughs) But just try not fidgeting, I think is also important because when you're fidgeting, you seem nervous or you're like, seems like you want to get out of the conversation but body language is like maybe even more important than listening appropriately because you have to give the vibe that you care about what's happening in the conversation that's happening and those are important steps in the whole process is like being cognizant of how your body is geared toward the conversation that you're having Mm -hmm. and like not putting your foot out like you're trying to leave the conversation either i read that recently where if if you're like giving the stance of like i'm walking away (laughs) people are going to feel like you want to leave the conversation yeah yeah and that makes i think like 
again, to acknowledge, this is like a lot of information that feels easy, but when you find yourself in these situations, sometimes it really is very uncomfortable to hold eye contact without feeling creepy, or it's very uncomfortable to be like, what do I do with my hands? Like, all of a sudden, you're trying to remember all of these things at once without looking at the person like, I'm fully with you. (laughs) But that's exactly the issue, is that the minute that you're like, oh my god, you start thinking about it, and you're like, eye contact is weird. <laughs> like the minute you said eye contact, we were looking at each other and I was like, whoa. <laughs> You're like, this feels very intense very quickly. And then you do the thing where you look around the room like, and then their eyes fall. And then if you focus like on their forehead, they're like, <laughs> is there something on my face somewhere? Like it's not, it feels like it should be easy and it just isn't like so many things that we are constantly trying to get better at. But the more you practice it and if you practice it with people that like, know you and who understand who you are as a person like I know people who cannot make direct eye contact by nature of who they are as people and I know that about them so like they're doing other things that make me feel like they are communicating and 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 are listening in a way that is effective and is making sure that they are very present but I think it's also one of those things that takes practice I'm like if eye contact isn't your thing what else are you doing to make sure are you amping up like the questions are you amping up like the nodding and like the understanding and all of that kind of things. So it doesn't, it doesn't happen all at once. And there are a lot of things to remember in the process, but they are really effective when trying to make significant connections with people, especially in a leadership position, if for no other reason. Yeah. And that leads to another great point of check your judgment at the door. Heck yeah. I think it's very easy for people to assume that you know exactly what someone is thinking or doing, but you are not a mind reader. Mm -hmm. So stop jumping to conclusions, peeps. (laughs) So the worst thing that happens, because I instantly am like, how how dare you think that you know anything that I'm going to say? And obviously it's not that dramatic, but in my mind, everything's dramatic. Mm -hmm. So I'm instantly, I'm so thrown when that happens to me and I'm totally guilty of it but like I definitely am thrown if someone cuts me off thinking that they know what I'm going to say and nine out of ten times they're wrong (laughs) so not only do I now have to like start from square one I then have to correct that person and that's uncomfortable yeah I agree with you um the Cut did a an article on active listening and interviewed Joel Minden, who's a clinical psycho- psychologist, and he said that you should have one statement for every two questions that you ask, hmm. and not the flip, because a lot of people will like they want to add to the conversation or like bring it back to themselves, but the reality is like th- when you think about the question, so like say you're having a conversation with someone who recently went to Denver. Oh, I recently had, you know, a really great soup in Denver. Tell me more about your experience at the restaurant that you tried and what was that like for you to I feel like I'm doing a terrible job at this example. <laughs> but it makes sense. <laughs> Can we uh restart here, guys? I don't know how to have a conversation. <laughs> We're starting from fictional square character. One. <laughs> but it is. It's like it's one of those things that is hard to do. Obviously, like you've said that this is something that you're personally working on. Mm-hmm. So it does like and that's that that statement makes sense. Like one statement for every two questions. That makes sense. But it is, again, hard to put it into practice unless you have an opportunity to practice it fairly often. Yeah. But I think to like redo that one, it would be more like a, a question statement sandwich, I think, mm-hmm. that might be more appropriate of like, uh, when did you visit Denver? I was there in the spring and I really enjoyed XYZ experience. Tell me more about what you did when you were there. That was good. That was really good because it does allow you to connect with the person on a personal level saying like, I've been there too. And like, I understand what you're saying about your experience. Now tell me more. So Mm -hmm. it's like that person can see like, oh, this is something else that we have in common that we can talk about. And this is like exact proof. We're leaving all this in because I really flubbed up right there. I mostly just like how you said flubbed up. (laughs) But the reality is you can read this stuff and like be like, I can totally put that into practice. And the minute you're in a conversation, you're like, 
oh shoot, I don't know what to do. And the reality is that you can get through this and it just takes some practice and just getting more comfortable. I think there's so many opportunities for you, even just doing it on like with your partner, with your best friends, finding different ways to like test run this so that when you are in the environment of a professional setting or a networking event where you got to bring your A game, Mm -hmm. that's when you know, okay, I've got this. I've practiced it enough times that I can do. I now understand what one statement for every two questions you ask is because I just did it. And it worked out better the second time around. And you put it in practice. And I think, like, having your friends be the ones that call you on the, like, I am I was talking about a trip I had. And then you were like, I went on a trip, too, recently. And you're like, well, that totally took me out now of everything. Now we're talking everything. about your trip. <laughs> exactly. And, like, having people that you trust to be like, hey, Sue, like, it just you just did this this thing that you're trying not to do. So maybe, maybe like, let's start over and something like that. Because, like, again, it's really easy to default to talking about your own experiences in the middle of someone else talking about their experience. You're like, this will be great because I can totally connect with them on this. Like, let me talk to them about my vacation or that mm-hmm. restaurant that I just tried. And to acknowledge that, like, you've now shifted the entire conversation to talking about you when the original whole point of it was to learn about them and learn about like how was your trip like and go off of that to have someone who's like going to be talking to you and and like you said before you get to that moment where it really counts could say to you like let's shift it back and this is like just so you're aware this is what just happened because so many times it's it's a it's a very like innocent, unaware moment versus an intentionally rude moment. And I think acknowledging that is really important because it's not like anybody thinks you're trying to be an a-hole. <laughs> you're just like trying to connect with someone. Mm-hmm. And you've you've kind of gotten into this situation where you're now talking about your whole vacation and that was not the original premise. Yeah, I think it's really easy to lose track of the intent of the conversation. And so it's very easy for you to be like, oh, whoops, this is now about me. Let me bring it back. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they also mentioned in that article was to respond to the emotion of the conversation and not the content. Hmm. And that kind of goes back also to the doing versus thinking mindset that we mentioned earlier, is that you're not thinking about the theme that's part of the scenario. It's what what's the context that surrounds the scenario and what is this person exploring and dealing with and what are they thinking about and how you can ask questions around the person's feelings as it relates. Like they're bringing this up for a reason right. or you're talking about this for a reason. So explore that. Absolutely. I think for me, one of the my issues, and tell me if you can relate on this, is patience. Yes. So like in the midst of a conversation and all in, it's not even wanting to talk about yourself as much. You're just like, and you're not even trying to rush the person. You're just like, your silence is making me very uncomfortable. So I'm going to interject, even if you were doing like the other person was doing a very like, non-dramatic pause or, or just like taking a breath for some reason. I have a tendency to dive in in that moment because I'm like, let me help them find the word that they're looking for. And then they can finish their sentence because I've helped. And it's never, and I do that so often. And it is something that I am intentionally trying to work on because when I, cause I fly through my conversations, I think like when I'm talking, I talk really, really fast. And so if someone's not talking as fast as I am used to, or I'm comfortable with catch up. Yeah. All I want to do is be like, okay, so I found the word for you. Let's move on. And like, unless someone's like, Hmm, what was that word I was looking for? Like, just give them a minute because, or maybe not a full minute because that does feel uncomfortably long, but like just giving them some time to like collect their thoughts and show that you are still interested in what they're saying versus trying to not just finish their sentence. Because I think sometimes people are good listeners and they're not trying to interject or finish your sentence or assume they know what you're going to say, but they're simply trying to help you find like the correct adjective or if you've lost your train, like find like the point again. But if you like just have some patience and give them a few to get back into it, they'll not feel like you've just kind of stolen their thunder and like have taken over the conversation. And if you're actually paying attention to the content of the conversation and what the person is 
actually saying to you, you can kind of you can ask the right questions to bring them back. Instead mm-hmm. of telling them what to think, you can ask them more information so that they can tell you. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the point of what active listening will provide to you. <laughs> I think that's why I like this subject is it it is more than just the listening piece. It is listening and then knowing like how to continue the conversation. Like you said in the very beginning about like kind of missing somewhere along the way how to actively listen, but also how how to have uh, like a full conversation in a way like those things in my mind really do go hand in hand because not only are you trying to pay attention to the person and and really hear what they're saying, but you're also trying to keep the conversation going and ask the right questions based on what they're saying. So those things really, really do go together. And I think this is something that you can, like we talked about, put into practice on a regular basis with everybody around you and the people that are closest to you say like, this is something I'm struggling with. Like, can you call me out when I do this thing? Like that would be really helpful for me Um, or something like that. But this is always going to be useful. Like even as tech takes over our lives and robots can do whatever now, Having a full conversation with someone, listening to what they say, being able to intentionally and thoughtfully respond to them is never going to go out of style. And we'll always go back to those soft skills that employers are looking for, that leadership requires. Um, And I just think it's something that you don't think takes as much effort or practice as it actually does. And putting in that time will totally pay off, will absolutely pay off. And it's going to build those relationships that you need for the length of your life. Mm -hmm. I think the beautiful thing about having these conversations with people and learning about people is that like the minute that you turn on the opportunity to be curious about other people, you're going to learn just mountains of information from the world. And that's going to make you more successful down the road. And people are going to feel so connected to who you are as a person and you will then have a chance to speak to. Yeah, and I just love that. I think that that is just the best part about all of this. Yeah, and uh, if you guys need some tips, or if you want to give us some tips on more of the active listening that we're, we're working on, or better questions to ask when you're in that situation, or if you put it into practice, let us know because, you know, we're right here with you. Shall we break? Let's break. Feeling like a queen yet? Find us at Queen Speaking on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram and tell us all about it. See you next week.